Viewer discretion is advised. Your fave will be criticized. That's Jan. That's Chris. And this is CCTV, the nonstop pop show. And today we're heading to Pop 101 class and learning about the iconic 90s British girl group, Eternal. Looking for an awesome global pop music podcast? Well, look no further because Shan and I have the inside scoop with extensive experience performing on stage and working at record labels. You can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cctvpops and become a part of our amazing crew, which includes Lisette, Lily, Emily, Kevin, and Juliet. And please click that subscribe or follow button and we can explore the world of pop music together. And one of the perks of being a CCT crew member as a producer is helping us decide episode topics. So as requested by our crew member, Kevin, today we are heading back to Pop 101 class to discuss the iconic British R&B girl group, Eternal, one of the most influential girl groups of the 1990s. Before we start the class, though, do you like Eternal? You know, I didn't know I did until... I realized who they were. I was like, oh, that's who they are. Because I know Stay. Yeah. Stay, Stay, Stay. Again, it got lumped in VH1 Soul. When VH1 Soul used to play all the old girl groups and stuff like that. I used to watch it. Um, that song probably came out. I didn't even realize it. But they sound a lot like um, Shade. Uh, Don't go away. Like, even their harmonies. Just the stacks sound very much like that. Like a lot of 90s girl groups. But yeah, I enjoy them for sure. I, don't, I didn't know exactly who they were. I even know they had a white girl in the group. Um, mm. But I was too young to even know, first of all. And then second of all, by the time they swung around in my mental frame, I still didn't peep until we did this episode. I was like, oh my God, that's right. The white girl in the group. And the, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're, I mean, we're both a little young, I think, for Eternal. Um, yeah. yeah, I was also barely born when they, when they first came out. Um, so I didn't really know about them really either. I knew the name. Like, I knew that they oh. were a very influential uh, group in their time for a lot of my favorite artists, including the Spice Girls. They always name them. It's kind of one of their big influences. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I had heard a few of the hits like Power of a Woman and, and a few of those, but I really hadn't taken the time to do the deep dive. So thank you, Kevin, mm-hmm. for suggesting this because I actually really enjoyed um, going through their videos. And we did it together as well. We went through some of their stuff and that we had a lot of fun. So, yeah, uh, before we get started, we have created playlists for you to follow along on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Music if you want to listen to the full tracks or watch the music videos. And the links are in the description. So, let's do this. Class is in session. In the beginning, chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> Inspired by the success of American girl group in Vogue, Dennis Ingoldsby, a producer and manager, started scouting the British club scene for stars in 1992, where he found sisters Esther and Vernie Bennett and also Louise Nerding. After working a bit as a trio, Louise introduced her friend Kelly Bryan and Eternal was born. Fun fact, Louise and Kelly actually met at the Italia Conti performing arts school, which was also attended by other famous British pop group members, including Lisa from Steps, Joe from S Club 7, and Lee Ryan from Blue. Eternal signed to EMI Records in 1993 and quickly released their first single, a cover of Glenn Jones's 1990 hit, Stay. (laughs) 
day received critical acclaim and achieved success globally, hitting every chart in the world, including number three in Australia, number four in the UK, and number 19 on the US Billboard Hot 100. The song also went mm. on to be nominated as well in a lot of awards. So, yeah, what do you think of Stay? Stay home! You know, I um, I could totally hear in vogue on this. <laughs> I mean, Esther is the only one holding it down for leads. But the harmonies are good. And they actually have an acapella version. Like um, someone uploaded it from GMTV and they sounded really good. And you can hear like it's actually the girls. It's not just a bunch of Esters. And then the girls yes. kind of like lip sync Millie Vanillying it, um, which is nice. Um, I love the harmonies and the I don't know. like the huh? I'm not going to sing it. But only one person can do four <laughs> harmonies. But, uh, but yeah, I like the I don't knows. And like the it's just really nice and smooth. For as powerful as um, Esther was singing, everyone else sounds really smooth and it's really cool. It has a nice groove to it. Again, it sounds like Jade. It sounds like In Vogue. It just mm-hmm. feels really nice. It sounds American, right? Which is really important. Yes. It doesn't sound like UK pop trying to become... It's just... Y'all know the difference. And if you don't, listen closely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like it. It fits right in with those girl groups, like I said. Um, how did you hear this song? Have you heard this song before we started talking about Eternal? Definitely. Or- Definitely. I don't know okay. if I knew it was them, you know, um, but yeah. yeah, I feel like it's just one of those that would just kind of be played on rotation kind of, you know, even <laughs> yes. though we were again, like it would have been later on in the 90s mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah, yeah, definitely. This one's up there. It's a classic example of that early 90s sound that kind of R&B pop with some new Jack swing in there. Like it's so, so good. Um, yeah. And this whole sound is really making a comeback now in current oh pop music so it if you just updated yes. the production a little bit this could probably work again honestly um yes. but yeah the chorus is so simple obviously with the stick <laughs> um but super super catchy and yeah like you mentioned the harmonies yeah. sound so good and esther wow her voice mm-hmm. it is such a beautiful tone it's really got a nice yeah. husk to it there's a thickness to it um and she makes it look so easy when you watch her perform oh those ad libs, yeah. she's just she's still doing those, you know, the jumping and all that, and she's <laughs> belting her butt off. Uh-huh. So it's really, really impressive. Um, and yeah, I really, really enjoyed this one. This one has been added to a lot of my playlists. <laughs> he said playlists, plural. Yes. Go plural. all eternal. Yes. All right. So with the release of their debut album, Always and Forever, in November 1993, the group was catapulted into success, especially in the UK where it hit number two in the album's chart and became one of the biggest-selling albums of 1994. The second single from the album was Save Our Love, which proved the group was not just a one-hit wonder. Yes, and honestly, this this song is interesting because it definitely has a little bit of like a darker tone in the beginning, like the bell tolls and the drum machine. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. it gets really bright. Um, I've got to say, I love the way uh, Esther goes, Sprang! Is that, yes. is that saying Sprang? I have to sing it like that though with her too. <laughs> sprang! It's like low. Sprang! <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I think it's a testament to like her training as well too. Like I, if I'm not mistaken, the two sisters are very much like church girls, you know? And then the other two were quote unquote secular. So it's it's a good balance. I think they were a good balance, even looking at them in this video. Like they're they're wearing the typical like tomboy outfit, of course, but and Vogue were wearing dresses. And Vogue was like, you know, 
giving you old Motown girlies, but with 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 tetes and you know mm-hmm. and, and hair flips and songs about premarital bliss. If you catch my drift, you know um, this one is kind of just like we're we're in love. Like let's just continue to hold on to it. Um, but yeah, I mean pop songs like this about loving and cherishing love. You don't get that much. Even in R&B, you don't get that much anymore, really. Like, especially with these kind of vocals. It's either like some, he broke up with me, you know, love me. <laughs> this one's like, let's, let's make our love. That's, that's a preview of one of Shan's new songs, everyone. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but again, like, this, 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 is like, this is a testament to the caliber of artists, especially with the video. It's literally just them on a fashion catwalk and LED screen. Legit, is a fashion show. So I'm almost like, we're done with it. Y'all want this? They danced on it. And that's it. No 511 changes, just one set and performance. So again, they were on it. They were mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, I really like this one. It's very, I like how it is. does start very dramatic. Save our love. Like the plea of it. But then oh, you yeah. get to the verses and she's just very sweet and nostalgic, Esther, like with the way she does it. And the, the chorus is then yeah. very hopeful. And then you get those yeah. like signature like 90s like bells in the back as well. Like the whole dynamic of the song is really fun. I have to give a shout out to Vernie who does a lot of the high harmonies on the verses. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously being a sister, sisters with Esther helps with the blend already, but they have a really yeah. great dynamic and it just sounds yeah. really, really good. Um, and yeah, the dancing, like I mentioned, yo, it is athletic, man. Like there's <laughs> so much jumping. It's all jumping. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a, oh my god, it's giving fly girl for sure. It's giving fly girl. Um, and speaking of fly girl, these girls did nothing but fly to the top of the charts. Um, because the group released four more successful singles from the album, "Just a Step from Heaven," which I love, "So Good," "Oh Baby I," and "Crazy," which all hit the top twenty in the UK. With "Oh Baby" hitting the top five and giving the group the longest their longest chart run so. We're not gonna really get too much into um just stuff from heaven, but honey, then we'll talk about dancing. The the video they they start with a tour. They do the little tour jump, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what is going on? Why is all these pirouettes and stuff? But with Oh Baby I, they kind of they kind of stripped it down. They stripped it. Well, they didn't strip, but they, you know, the video wasn't so like much yeah. dancing. Yeah, I mean, all the singles up to that point were pretty upbeat. So it made sense to then do a ballad. And I have to say, I've been quite nostalgic about the 90s ballad. I think because yeah. I've been I've been listening to a lot of Whitney because, you know, the movie just came out. Um, mm-hmm. Then, you know, I've yeah, then Celine Dion, I kind of had a moment with her, too, when her news yeah. came out. And, you know, yeah. the ballad was so important and almost charted better than the upbeat songs back then. So it's yes, really interesting have. now, like ballads aren't really a thing, um, at least in the pop yeah. charts, you know, so I miss yeah. the drama of it all a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, the harmonies are really pretty in Oh Baby I, and um, the chorus is very sweet. It's just the right amount of cheesiness. You know, every every 90s ballad is pretty cheesy usually, but this isn't too cringeworthy in my opinion. Um mm-hmm. Vernie does also, again, get a little ad-libby moment here, which is nice. As you can tell, I, I'm not a huge fan when, when there isn't a lead vocal, mm-hmm. when there is a lead vocalist, I mean, um, and yeah. the other three don't really get a chance to shine. 
Um, but like you said, in these cases, you can actually hear all four of them within the harmonies. Yeah. Um, like Kelly and Louise's thinner tones do complement the thicker tones of the sisters very, very well. And their blend is really strong just even from the beginning. Um, from what I can tell, it's Kelly that handles the lows. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 From um, what I heard, I was like, sounded like And it's Kelly. interesting because, you know, listening to her kind of solo stuff later on, like it's she gets a much... Um, more warm when she sings in her mm -hmm. lower tone. Mm -hmm. It's a little thin mm -hmm. when she kind of sings higher. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, just a smart choice, I guess, in terms of the blend. Yeah, I you know, I'll get to the blend in a second, but honey, if you know a slow jam, you know a slow jam, okay? It's four minutes long. It's about maybe like 2 BPM, you know, <laughs> like the the slow jam for the snails, okay? The snails. Listen, the snails are back. The whole point of songs like this is love, you know, like to love someone to be like, oh, my gosh, this is like the baby making kind of like ballad. This isn't just like, oh, baby, ah, we're walking down the aisle. You could do that. But that's more Brian McKnight, blah, blah, blah. But again, you know, when I think, think about my dad's CDs and what he had on the CDs, songs like this one. Um, and I think, like you said, Kelly is holding it down. I think um, this is one of my favorite vocal performances from the group because you can actually hear that these members have personalities in their vocals. Um, you can hear the textures and tones, like you said. Um, and the video is neutral. The backdrop is just, it's nice because you can actually see the members. Because, like, with Save Our Love and all the other videos, it's almost like girls standing in the back. Like, yeah. Uh, you know. I did watch a couple performances from all these songs. There are some where only Esther has a microphone. <laughs> like, literally, the other three are just dancing in the dark in the back. Um, so, so yeah, Stop. speaking of that though, the final single from the first album was Crazy, mm -hmm. which did feature okay. lead vocals from the other three members in addition to Esther. So that did prove mm -hmm. that they are co all competent singers. They all did get yes. a moment here, which is nice. Um, yes. but it's interesting. I mean, Eternal fans, correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen much discussion about, um, any drama regarding who would sing lead and stuff. It doesn't seem like that was a big issue for them. Like maybe Esther's uh -huh. position was kind of just accepted in this particular case. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense. Esther's amazing. Yeah. You know, like if Esther was my my girl group member, I'd be like, let us sing. Let us, <laughs> let us sing. Oh, I mean, but there there was this one instant that I do believe maybe it was it was V who actually rapped on one of the songs on the album. Um uh, if you want my love or if you want some love tonight, I'm like, well, not me forgetting the title of the song, but one of them actually raps, which is interesting because at the time, like, rap was in and they didn't rap. The constant promotion and touring that came with eternal success was grueling and the members were feeling the strain. In addition to being exhausted and longing for home, they were also experiencing increasing tensions amongst themselves. Kelly revealed years later that from the very beginning, she did not feel welcomed by the sisters Esther and Vern. And she revealed very early on in their career that she was just there for the money, a comment I don't really appreciate. <laughs> but this revelation only added to this growing tension within the group. And additionally, as a girl group made up of three black women and one white woman, Eternal faced obstacles in certain countries, including the U.S. and South Africa, where their diverse makeup was seen as unusual or not accepted, which impacted their ability to promote their music and appear in magazines and on television shows. Mm-hmm. Oof. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, we have to remember we're at the we're in the early 90s at this point. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think racism has come a long way in the music industry since then, but does still have a long way to go. Uh, we had mentioned mm-hmm. Eternal, actually, and the situation very briefly in our pop history episode about members leaving groups. Um, mm-hmm. But I think now we both have done a lot more deep research into this group, and there's a lot more layers to all of this than just like one white member and three black people. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I mean, I find their dissection about how different countries reacted to the diversity is interesting. Like you have a lot mm-hmm. of these Commonwealth countries, like all the UK, all the previous like UK colonies, like in Asia and in Australia and everything that seemed more accepting of it. Like they were very big in Japan, like they were really big in Australia and they didn't run yeah. into this issue. And they mm-hmm. did really call out the US as the one that was like, I mean, I think they ran into this at, in their home country as well. But I think in the US, yeah. it was like, okay, black radio is completely different from, you know, white radio. Um, black magazines yeah. are completely separate from white magazines. Um, yeah. And so that whole separation, I'm sure, really hindered their success. Because I think after this album, they never really tried again in the US. I think they probably mm-hmm. ran into just too many obstacles and it wasn't worth it. Um, right. And this, all this whole situation does also make me think of, of you know, multiracial groups later on as well. Like you have Danny D. Kane, where a lot of those mm-hmm. members have come out and said that there was a lot of tension mm-hmm. there. Then you have Melody from Pussycat Dolls, where she was the only black member. And she has mentioned having, you know, problems it, it, with that as well. So, you know, America yeah. definitely seems a bit behind a little bit. Because then at the same time, you had the Sugar Babes launching in 2000, where this whole kind of united colors of Benetton, Benetton thing was like actually embraced and was seen as really cool, you know? So it's just interesting mm-hmm. kind of globally looking at the situation, how it affected their success in different countries. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, as a black woman who makes pop music, I concur. <laughs> um, but yeah, them being biracial is like really ridiculous. I mean, even now there's a group called Now United and it literally has multiple countries of young teens yep. dancing and singing together. Um, but again, I mean, it's a sign of the times. But also, like you were saying, the media was really separated. Separ- separated, yeah. And even when, like I said, John B. was coming out, people thought this dude was either like light-skinned like DeBarge or like a Latino guy because mm. they used to put him in sepia. Like, babyface and them were like, listen, man, you could sing, but they can have you out here, you being white. Even the way his haircut was like, it was like typical of brown and black people. Right. So, I mean, like, even the the media was like really separate. We had Source Magazine. We had like Vibe. Where does Louise fit in that? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was kind of difficult. I can see that being an issue. Um, Even now, I don't even know if that kind of group would work now. Like, I know that sounds really weird, but people aren't ready for it. Like, we we can't even get an Asian artist to freaking like be big unless they're backed by other Asian people like 88 Rising. Right. So Mm -hmm. America still has a little bit more to get around and they're more accepting of it. As long as that person is, hey, say like beautiful, or if like they're really talented, you can't just be like a subpar one black member. You can't be like the subpar. I mean, Normani, a group of white women, passing light skinned white women, whatever, and she's the only black girl. She got the ridicule. You know what I'm saying? She got mm-hmm. berated. So it's 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 like no matter what you do, it was never going to be right. It's never going to be perfect. So I'm not sure if we're going to get better. Um, we have Boys World as one black girl, but predominantly black with one non-black member. Haven't seen it. And I think that's why they stood out, which was why I wish they would have made it here because it would have been like, yo, the white mm-hmm. girl's holding it down. Shoot. But maybe it would have changed their whole image and their makeup as a group, though. But we'll yeah. get into that a little bit later. Definitely. 
Yeah, well, so despite these obstacles that they were facing, Eternal was hitting new highs in their home country of the UK, getting four Brit nominations in 1994. However, before releasing their second album, member Louise decided to leave the group. Uh, she stated she was unhappy and wanted to pursue a solo career. And there have since been reports saying that Louise had actually signed a solo record deal with EMI six months prior to her officially leaving the group. Uh, which is interesting, and we can get into that a little bit. Um, but she would actually eventually become a very successful solo pop star in her own right. Um, we're not going to get into that in this episode because there's so much with the group. But let us know if you'd like us to do a little deep dive into Louise's solo career um, as well. And also, we have to give a shout out to Steve Anderson, who we've interviewed on this show before, because he has actually worked with her and is currently working with her, actually, on her solo material and on her tours as well. Um, but yeah, so in addition to this whole situation... Kelly has actually revealed that there was also this idea to actually have her leave with Louise to form a mm -hmm. duo. Um, but she ended up deciding to stay with Eternal, even though we know she actually wasn't very happy either. So that's interesting as well. Yeah. Lots of layers. But yeah, what do you think yeah. of this whole situation? So Louise, who is the white member or was the mm -hmm. white member, um, she did decide to leave. What may have happened in the U.S., like the whole sexing it up thing, like I said, in Vogue was not... In Vogue was... They were out here. They were looking real hot. You know what I'm saying? Um, even TLC got a little bit sexier. Uh, you know, it was, just, it was just sexy, right? V and Esther weren't about that, right? And whatever the talks were, whatever the conversation was as they were forming the group and, like, developing and performing, it wasn't sexy. I mean, even yeah. there are some interviews where people say, well, don't you think you're a little too pure? Like, you know, people want their pop stars to be a little bit more raunchy. Like, you know, you're giving, like, you know, Bible-toting Britney Spears before Rolling Stone cover. Um, why are you doing this? You know, um, and it's tough because Esther Envy are church girls. They are, you know, uh, they're gospel. And then Kelly and Louise brought the quote unquote secularness or like they were stage school girls. They weren't like mm -hmm. going to church. I'm not trying to be funny, but it's true. And the group was giving the tomboy look with the stylistic variations, but you could totally see the stylistic choices like Louise wearing the skirt in um, uh, um, heaven. I'll just call it heaven real quick. Um, you can see who's wearing the shorts, who's wearing the skirt. Even when she went solo, it was more like, I'm burying my soul. And then one of her songs are called Naked. I mean, mm -hmm. it is it is what it is. There's nothing wrong with her being sexy, but I just think personality-wise, what she may have wanted to explore as an adult woman was not cohesive with what the lead vocalist and her sister wanted. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Okay, um, that's an interesting angle. I mean, we'll definitely get into that as the group kind of develops as well. So that's interesting yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think going back to kind of just the racial implications of everything, mm -hmm. you know, she got offered a solo deal by the record label. You know, yeah. would if yeah. Kelly had, you know, Kelly was clearly vocal about her not loving it either. She didn't get a solo deal. She only got an offer to be a duo with Louise, right? So then yeah. you get into this whole thing of like, you know, does Louise, did Louise get preferential treatment because she's white? Like she got she got a chance to go solo, you know, and yeah. use Eternal just as a stepping stone. I don't know. There's a lot to this, right? There's a lot of layers. To this. I'm not saying anything bad about Louise at all. You know, like know she, yeah. you know, she wasn't happy. But, you know, it is interesting to kind of just looking yeah. at all the different layers of this onion here. Um, Come on, onion. But yeah, I mean, Louise has actually spoken very fondly of her time in Eternal since then. And yes. she's actually covered a lot of their songs on her own as well, like through the years. I watched her, like she had a cover just on YouTube, I think that was filmed during the pandemic of her covering Just a Step from Heaven. And she sounds really, mm -hmm. really good. So, I mean, yeah. she didn't really get to show her chops either in the group. So, I mean, 
you know, it kind of makes sense that she was like, I can do more than the oohs and ahs, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the group and her both found bigger success after she left. So at the end of the yeah. day, maybe this just wasn't meant to be, right? Right. Whatever works for each with each member and I guess the personality and exploration and such. Mm -hmm. um, and with Louise's departure, the three members went back into the studio to work on their second album, Power of a Woman, released in October 1995 with the lead single of the same name. Yes, so for the second album, the group worked with some new producers and explored a more traditional R&B sound compared to their first release. And with that new sound came a new image, too, so we can get into kind of what you were talking about. Um, but Power of a Woman mm -hmm. did hit the top 10 in the UK and Australia, and the album went on to sell over 2 million copies worldwide. So what do you think of Power of a Woman and the new image and new sound? Okay, so, oh, yeah. So this song gave me, like, Mariah's emotions. Yes. Um, totally. I was like, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> we'll give it to the UK production when I was coming up. They were really like kind of teetering that line of like inspired by, you know. Yep. Um, but I do like the the subject matter of it. It gives very much I'm every woman. But yeah, this video is everything we love about the 90s. And um, we got the technique. It's got some pirouettes in the video. <laughs> got some commercial dancing. We have handography. Oh my God, there's this one extra dancer who kept splitting her legs in the chorus in the end they go ah! she said ah! she's on the floor and it pisses me off because <laughs> i'm like i all go from no we're not going to be raunchy to this girl spread eagle <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. in the video um the silky jammies we love yes. those from the 90s right we did <laughs> the, <t> <laughs> the the front lit the front lit glamour shots you know like everything was very much like uh pop 90s and it's interesting, like I said, how sexier they got, but still were like covered up. So the song was more powerful as opposed to like, I love you. I'm like, I'm not begging you to stay. It's like, do you know what I have? Do you understand what's in front of you? It was more revealing and more body forming for sure, but it wasn't yeah. like sensual, right? Like it was still yeah. just like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there, it was more revealing though, for sure. And the hair got a lot bigger. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they had actually mentioned on the big reunion years later that this single and album was kind of like the going from caterpillars to butterflies, which totally mm -hmm. makes sense. Like, it is a big change, and the confidence level is is up. Um, it is interesting because they were wearing, like, the jerseys and, like, the, you know, the yeah. baggy pants and stuff. And then you go to this yeah. where the PVC and, the yeah, the silk <laughs> and all that is all, all up there. Um, but yeah, this one's a really fun one. It, like you said, it fits right up there with all the female empowerment anthems that all the divas were making at the time. Um, mm -hmm. And I love in the video that all the dancers and the band are all female. That was cool. Yeah. The second single from the album was I Am Blessed. Another huge hit for the group that was even performed for the Pope at the Vatican in 1995. And I've got to say, can I tell you, the Pope liked R&B, UK R&B acts, I guess, because he asked Cleopatra to perform, too. He said, uh, them girls uh, in the UK, I kind of 
and snap to it. I got a cassette in the, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, I couldn't find the footage of them performing oh, for the Pope. I don't know if it was filmed. But if anyone has it, though, let us know. Leave a, leave a comment with the link. Um, Please do. But yeah, it is interesting. I mean, you've mentioned, right, that the two sisters are church girls, right? And so it yes. makes sense. And even then, like in the 90s, gospel was a big influence in pop music as oh well. God, so yes. it makes sense. You know, the song isn't explicitly about God, but, you know, it might as well be, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. so so that's always interesting. But yeah, I will say this video is actually quite sexy. You know, them kind of like writhing around on the rotating platform with each other. The and microwave. I was kind of like, this doesn't, oh, yeah, yeah, the microwave. <laughs> but, you know, this doesn't fully work with the song, though. It was kind of like, I don't know, didn't really, it really make sitting. sense. It should have um, been sitting. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, it was a little odd. Um, and yeah, the song is okay. You know, I don't mm. think it's as good as as other ballads that I've heard from them or other ballads mm-hmm. that were out at the time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty, right. but that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I'm thinking about the video of them like spinning on the microwave dish. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would say it's just been sitting down. Just sit down. Uh, with this song, it's just very like balladish in nature. And I do like the second verse with the into the second half of the song because it gets a lot more full. So it doesn't sound like complete gospel. It doesn't like it sounds like Christian music, like open my arms and my heart, Lord, that kind of not like black gospel, like this. So I think that's kind of like also it makes it super pop and not all the way gospel music um, and not kind of deceptive as well. If you're just listening to it, you're like, oh, this has a good little ring to it. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, it's about God. Um, I can hear Whitney in those verses. The way she came in, I was like, is this the greatest love of all, honey? And then she goes, and I Yes, am. yes, oh my God, yes. <laughs> and I said, interesting, that's a choice. But she can hit the notes. She can hit the notes. She can hit the notes, totally. You know, when I heard, and I, I heard am, I was like, you better say am, unless you want to get hit with that big fat <laughs> copyright. <laughs> Yes, I you totally know? heard that too. That's so funny. Oh man. Yeah. You know, E and V do come from the church and it makes sense. But like, you know, back in the day, a lot of like a lot of R and B pop singers and a lot of singers in general, they were doing some seriously bankable hours in the church. Like back in the day, they were singing a choir at school, choir at church. They mama and their daddy wasn't part of the, the it's just different. It's just different. Especially a lot of black singers, like they sang more gospel back in the day like it was the sign of the times and the vocal prowess because a lot of us are um, a lot of uh, pop singers now are heathens um, and don't go to church apparently because no heathens. one's belting like that <laughs> that's the terminology for those who don't you know <laughs> uh, subscribe to the bio you know so anyway um but yeah it's true it's just like the the time that was being put in the charts and singing to the lord and you know anointing voices like well, that person oh she's touched she's blessed like that kind of thing you don't hear that anymore. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, again, super interesting to hear the difference in influence in, in, in everything, even compared to now, for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And the group went on to release a few more singles from the album, including Good Thing and Secrets. And Who Are You was actually released exclusively in Japan. And that's a good one. So that should have been a worldwide release, honestly. During this era, Eternal also got a huge opportunity in 1996 to record a version of Someday from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney animated film. Someday, life will be fairer, 
And for those of us in other parts of the world, other artists were chosen, including All for One in the U.S., Luis Miguel in Latin America, Solid for South Korea, and Alex Du in China. So that's kind of cool. Yes. <laughs> I gotta tell you something. I was too young for all of this, but I, but uh, I think I think this song is interesting. Like I know Solid. Although you said that and not All for One. <laughs> I know, right? Listen, when you have multiple influences in your life, you, you can go from anywhere, right? So I don't know their version, but I know Solid as a group. Like, I know All for One, totally. But Solid is the one I was like, oh, yeah, oh my God, it makes sense. Honestly, I feel like this song, it's just interesting to hear the different choices of, like, um, for each country, like, each regional person was like, yo, 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 listen, get your best and bring them to the stoop. Like, that's what it gave. It just yeah, gave, yeah, like, I mean, the production you know? was different, though. So I find that interesting because yeah. they could have easily just used yeah. the same track for All for One and Eternal and just been like, go for it. That's my point, though. They were like, get each region, make your own, like, yeah. version. Appreciate that. Yeah, well, first <laughs> off, I find this whole soundtrack thing very interesting. Like, Disney loves to do this, right? They get random yeah. pop stars from every different territory to record pop versions of their songs that are in the <laughs> movies. So I think it's cool. Yeah. Um. I knew the all for one one. I actually love the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, I kind of want to watch it again you know, mm-hmm. after doing this. But yeah, Esther, though, I have to say, she kills this. Like, I may actually mm-hmm. prefer the Eternal version to the all for one one. Um, so, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, the US missed out. Sorry, all for one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the music video, though, is so funny because it's so. Because, okay, so the all for one one is just them, like, on the street, and you just see, like, projections of like the movie and the clouds and stuff it's all like very pretty and subtle but no for for eternal though they went full disney channel they're wearing these crazy bright blue outfits and then you have these people in the background dressed as like jesters and other people from the movie making like weird faces and doing tricks and stuff so it's all a bit silly and doesn't really match the song but it makes sense for disney channel i guess you know what? That gets on my nerves. I'm like, hi, I got. I mean, they did feature a lot more footage from the movie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All for One, even Solid, who used All for One's footage. Um, by the way, I just want to throw that out there. Oh, they did. Um, yeah. The thunderclouds and stuff. They used it. Love it. Theirs are more somber and gray, but the Eternal video had more color. So I guess they were like blue. Blue and, and blue and, 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 and cleavage. Go off, sis. Like, I don't understand. Um, but you know what? This is what happened. You're the biggest girl group in, in, in the UK at the at that point, or one of the biggest. You can do whatever the heck you want. And in 1997, Eternal would reach new heights in their career. They released their third album, Before the Rain, in March 1997 with the lead single, Don't You Love Me, a track about child abuse and featuring vocals from the London Community Gospel Choir, which hit number three in the UK singles charts. Bullets flying all around. I think I appreciate Don't You Love Me for the message more than the actual song. I think mm. that I think the hook, the do you love me? Do you love oh, me? Yeah. No, you know, like with the with the with the um with you the, know, the bop. Yeah, with the bop. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's catchy, but like it's repeated mm. so much, you know, in this song. Oh, and there's no yeah. real structure. It's just like Esther sing this line and they do that hook and then you know, there it's just not much structured to it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just gets. It's just kind of like, where is this going? Which by the end, you know, I think production-wise, you know, then you, you you the horns come in, the strings come in. You get this like bongo yeah. situation too, which is interesting. Um, 
But then when the kids come in, like the children's choir comes in, oh, that's yeah. when you can really feel it. Like that's what, when I think it gets really powerful with that hook. Mm-hmm. Um, so built really nicely, but I think it's just, the song is just like, okay, as a whole for me. It does oh, add, okay. I think it does add something different to the discography, like something a little darker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate obviously giving light to the situation of child abuse, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. What do you think of the song? You know, I actually liked it, but like when I say I liked it, that doesn't mean I like know word for word what's happening. Um, I'm now sort of thinking, "Don't you love me?" With the hip hits, don't and the yeah, and the the hands and the <laughs> and the leather jackets. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, I do like the the horns and the, the the wind instruments, as you mentioned. Um, some of the key choices, like some of the keyboard choices, are a bit meh. Like it took the coolness out of the song for me a little bit. Um. But I do, like you said, appreciate the message. Like, 90 songs with a message like like this, it doesn't really happen anymore. And I feel like they aren't as special. Like, we had Earth Song back in the day and mm. and, and this one. You know, it just doesn't feel like that anymore. Like, no one does anything like this, really. But um, I do appreciate, like you said, what they were trying to do. Um, and I think sonically, you know, I don't know the words. Sonically, like you said, I think the drama of it all is what makes me go, oh, I like this song. A few months later, in May of 1997, Eternal finally got their first UK number one single with I Wanna Be The Only One, featuring American gospel singer B.B. Winans. And this song was nominated for Best Single at the Brit Awards and achieved huge success all across Europe. So they went back to the gospel for this one. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of, of I Want to Be the Only One? You know, this, this, this song reminds me of rom-com soundtrack and wedding. Um, it's quite bright. Mm-hmm. Um, the video also looks like the What a Man video. Um Again, the invoke parallel is just getting a little bit like, okay, oh, I yeah. like it was the 90s, but it was just getting like, okay, I can see it now, you know? Um, they weren't riding on the ground like the girls were or like swimming in bathtubs, but they were like communicating with the BB Winings crew, you know? Um, but yeah, back to the whole like the way it sounds. I feel like this kind of song is like what is a formula for like a hit, I guess. Like, you know, it's sweet. It's about pure love. Um, I would be interested in hearing a more r&b derived version and not so much like the choir i found the love of my life delivery Mm -hmm. um it's not bad they sound really good vocally but again because they're such powerful singers and they're singing about something like what kind of love that they found it almost sounds a little bit too bright like i wanted to get it just i don't know it sounds a little bit like a little like you know hunky dory to me i just don't know i don't not my favorite um but i do enjoy enjoy this song like much like a power like the power of a woman um, it has like a step up in like, not a modulation, like a step up where the vocals kind of bring it up a little bit more, come up a little bit, like half step, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and the energy gets brought up a little bit more. But again, just sonically speaking, I feel like it could have been a little bit more soulful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will say it's very joyful. It's a great kind of like sing-along yeah. song. It's very happy. And yeah, I could totally see it at like weddings and things like that. Um, but yeah, I have to be honest, after Hannah Hammering, the eternal discography over the past few weeks like this is yeah. very far from being a favorite of mine among their singles mm-hmm. um yeah yeah I don't, I don't i don't know maybe this whole thing just isn't really for me maybe it's just a little too cheesy for me um but i just think they have you know better within their discography but great for That's them smart. that did so well uh yeah. i will say bb has a great voice and his dynamic yeah. with esther is really really good i think 
you know, them singing the chorus together sounds really good. I mean, the other two kind of got, you know, they're kind of in the back with the choir, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we, yeah, we've been mentioning this whole gospel thing. Like, I'm curious if that will kind of come back along with the rest of the other 90s influences that kind of seem to be coming into culture now. We'll see. This whole, you know, charge your crystals on the windowsill generation? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> no tea, no shit. I just wanted to crack a joke. But it's true. I'm not sure if it's going to make a, a a comeback in that sense. But I think in the sense of spirituality being put into pop, I think it's instead of spirituality, people are taking intellectualizing their emotions, right? More psychology mm. words. Like even with, you know, hold the girl in Rina Sawayama, she's talking about her inner child as opposed to a higher power. So it is coming back in a way, mm. but not maybe not in the way. Shoot. If someone decided to do that, Tori Kelly is a good example. Yeah, of how it could be done. If it's done like that, then I could not force something throat like the Bible, the Bible, smack, like, like, the, <laughs> like, like that. But even like just that, incorporating that a gospel choir into a song. Because oh I mean, so I want right. to be the only one as a love song, you know, but it just it obviously has a Nick Jonas feel to it. Nick Jonas did it in Jealous. I put my feet up and I put my. <laughs> oh my god that song those lyrics though it's like why is a gospel choir singing about being jealous um anyway hey, listen <laughs> reaching we're reaching we're trying i'm trying y'all i'm trying for pop at the height of their success eternal revealed that they would be releasing a greatest hit compilation and plans were canceled for additional singles from the before the rain album and a u.s release in order to focus on the best of compilation which was released in october 1997 the lead single from the greatest hits was Angel of Mine, which would eventually become a huge hit for American singer Monica the following year. I had no idea that that wasn't Monica. Monica wasn't the first singer to have this song. You know, this goes yeah. back to obviously in those times and that was shown by Someday as well. Like mm -hmm. music releases were so territorial, you know, yes. you'd have artists releasing the same song in various territories and you wouldn't even know about it. Right. Like because you didn't yes. have the exposure. We didn't have the Internet like that. Um, so totally. very interesting. Um, first, before we even talk about Angel of Mind, though, what a weird choice from the label or management or whoever to jump straight to a greatest hits album after they just hit number one for the mm -hmm. first time and they only released mm -hmm. two singles or if you include someday three singles from the third album like that's very odd to me like i wonder what the dynamics or choices were behind that like i guess mm -hmm. business wise greatest hits albums used to do very very well um it'd be almost a guaranteed seller so it's yes. possible that they just want to take advantage of the fact that they were hitting new peaks in their career and they had enough singles to fill an album mm -hmm. or were they already planning to fire kelly as we'll get into shortly, where they were kind Dang. of like, we got to rush this along because this group is going to implode. So let's just go with the greatest hits album. You know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> very interesting situation. So if anyone knows anything more about that, let me know. But yes, Angel of Mine, Monica's version is is very huge. Like I think people now, at least in our generation, they all know this song. I don't know yeah. if it stood the test of time. I don't know if the kids now know that one. No, but I think even Kelly Clarkson, like recently, she covered it on her show. Like this song is very much in like pop music culture. I think. 
So hearing that wasn't the original and that Eternal was actually the original is very interesting. And I will have to say, I may actually prefer Eternal's version. I'm sorry, Monica. But. Yeah, y'all can't see me. I gave Chris like a very perplexed look. Yes, because I actually love the way Esther sings it and pardon the pun, but it's actually more angelic (laughs) than Monica. No, I I will not pardon that pun. I will not pardon that pun. Like the production is also just overall just a bit dreamier. And mm. I think Monica's has, it's just more grounded. I think it's just in the way mm. she sings, it's just in her vocal tone and just the way it's produced. Like the whole, mm. but yeah, I think as a concept, as a song, the eternal one's really beautiful. I agree with you in the sense of like her, her breathing, her breathing, her singing is a lot more breathier on more popified with the harmonies. I liked Monica's a little bit more only because of the, I guess because of the U.S. kind of appeal to it. Um, but yeah, I, li- I like that one. Uh, this one's this one's nice. I think what kind of like takes me away is that it was. Hang on, before I get into my own thing, I know I noticed that a lot of fans like this song because it's very universal in nature. We're calling someone else an angel. Um, like conceptually, it's more of like a gospel again, mm-hmm. uh, or almost a tribute kind of song. Because a lot of people I've seen kind of say R.I.P. to someone or like someone that they really like touched their lives. So the song has a lot of emotional stake in that sense. Um, but Monica's version is complimentary by calling this man her angel. Um, and like the song went from like, I think lyrically and eternal, it was um, going to love you till the end of time, where Monica says, going to love you, boy, you are so fine, angel of mine. Um, so yeah, it made it a little bit more personal, like to your mm. loved one, like to your lover or whatever, as opposed to your loved one, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're both good, but I grew up with Monica's version, but it'd be very, very curious to know what the fans or even people who don't know Eternal, like, what do you think? Cause you have two black artists, literally black artists covering it in two, two completely different ways. So I think yeah. that's really interesting. Definitely drop a comment or let us know in, in the podcast uh, platform of your choice. You can, you can leave a comment there too. We, we'll definitely read them. <laughs> so speaking of hits and such. The Greatest Hits was a massive success and is one of the biggest selling girl group hits compilations in the UK. But despite the success, remember all the tension we mentioned between Kelly and the other members? Well, that came to a head. Uh, And uh, those never went away. Actually, they were building this whole time to the point where they were barely speaking off the stage, with Kelly even recording her vocals for the last album separately. And in 1998, tensions hit a breaking point and Kelly received a fax informing her that she had been fired and was no longer an eternal due to the breakdown in professional relations. The sisters had been told that she wanted to leave, but Kelly didn't actually feel this way. But the communication had broken down so much at that point that they never even had a conversation to clear the air. And what was done, what is done is done, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of just, it was finalized at that point. Could you imagine just... And you see, like, see the letter. (laughs) I mean, let's, a fax. Like, you really can't get more 90s than a fax, I think. Um, And it still amazes me sometimes that fax machines are still used at all. Like, what? Anyway, um, I did watch a few of their performances from this era. And I have to say, they did a great job Mm. faking the chemistry. Because there was still eye contact. They were still giggling with each other. Like... They were still mm-hmm. touching each other. You know, they did a great job. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about pop groups in general on this show. And this whole breakdown of communication tends to be the so, like it's always a similar reason for breakups, right? Yeah. Or members leaving. Um, yeah. And it's just really crazy to me that labels and management, 
they just didn't understand basic group dynamics back then. And yeah. they even encouraged the drama and the competition between the members. You know, you always hear people like, oh, like they don't like you. They're a better singer than you. Uh, you know, like yeah. all this stuff. And they almost encouraged this like, I don't know, this weird tension, it's which is just bizarre. Um, I will say like when I was at the record label, Obviously, this is much later, but, you know, I still worked with a lot of groups and heard about a lot of drama within groups. But now, yeah. you know, people do kind of get on top of it and bring in mediators or group therapists and stuff to at least try and fix the situation. But, you know, clearly, yeah, that wasn't happening back then. Oh, yeah. Heck no. I mean, I don't again, I will never understand the whole like fostering an environment of hostility. I'll never get that. I've never been part of a girl group, even though I would love to be one, being one. Um, mm -hmm. But I've been in dance teams, and I usually had to be the buffer and the mediator. But that doesn't mean, like, you know, you have to sit there and pick a side, but they, someone should have been there to hold counsel regardless. Um, so it's just like someone should have been like, yo, sit, sit down, because y'all messing with our money. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, it's just, I think about, when I think of, like, the facts you're fired, I think of Back to the Future when he got fired. Um, but yeah, uh, it's really crappy to get fired that way and kicked out of a group. Like, again, it hasn't happened to me and I'm hoping that it never happens. Like Chris will ever see me an email or like a, a Zoom. <laughs> the <and> show is <laughs> over. CCTV is done. Like, Can you okay. imagine? And I would sort of be like, he kicked me out by, by an email, a Google invite. That'd be crazy, dude. Like, oh my God, it's so terrible. I mean, yeah, please don't do that to me either. <laughs> oh no it's terrible like i'm gone bad like you know oh god i feel so bad for her i know Ugh. i what? know um yeah so speaking of kelly um she did quickly kind of just take advantage of the situation though uh, and she had plans for a solo career and she did release one solo single called higher than heaven which was eventually covered by australian girl group bardot um, so side yeah. note, if you haven't heard our interview with Bardot member Belinda Chapel, where we do discuss Higher Than Heaven and many of their other songs, definitely go check that out after this class is over, because that was a great conversation. Yeah. Um, but back to Kelly. So after the release of that single, she was unfortunately diagnosed with lupus, and it took many years to manage the symptoms, and she had to cancel the release of her album. Uh, years later, she did become an actress on popular British soap opera Hollyoaks, and she's since also... Um, been on TV shows and things like that. So she's managed to keep her career going. Um, but she did have many years of suffering with lupus and, and the symptoms of it. Poor girl. Oh. Well, Esther and Vernie did go on and they asked a singer TJ Arlett to join the group, but she left after a few days. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. And <laughs> not you laugh. <laughs> I mean, how do you get how do you join this like huge pop group and then leave after a couple of days? I don't know, whatever. I wonder what happened to TJ Arlette. Does anyone know? Let us know. She probably heard the song that they released right now, the one we want to get into right now. Um, in the fall of 1999, Esther and Bernie released the album Eternal as a duo with the single What You Gonna Do. Yeah. Um, honestly, at this point, the two sisters should have just become a new group. Like, just start fresh at this point. Like, I think using the eternal name as a duo just really didn't work. And it was kind of doomed from the start a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the song is okay. Um, you know, I, it's interesting because, you know, now is when we really know, you know, the music of this time. Because we're in the late 90s yeah. now. And they really, the producers were on that kind of dark childy kind of sound, you know. 
But at yeah. the same time, though, it did still sound like an eternal song. I think maybe because Esther's voice is quite recognizable. And, and so kind of mm-hmm. when she kind of leads it, it kind of already kind of gives it that kind of whole vibe that the group had the whole time anyway. I will say the video, they look really good. I thought the whole mm-hmm. trick with the bungee cord with them, with the way they were kind of yeah. coming forward and bouncing back and going down and bouncing back and stuff was really well done. Um, but unfortunately, the song just isn't good enough. I think I agree with you in terms of like sonically what they were doing and also as a group name they should have gone like by ev i mean maybe not because now it's like electric and vogue but like oh oh you're so right okay 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 how about this one ev hyphen e who would have been like e and v of eternal see i'm good at branding like i could totally eve it looks like eve you know the eve you know like like adam and eve because god and stuff look at me i'm i'm with it i'm really with it right so i mean Speaking of God and whatnot, they talk about God in this song. And unfortunately, due to the way the soundscape was, no one was talking about it at this point. They were like, listen, we're talking, we're trying to hook up. We're trying to kiss. We're trying to find mm. the love of our lives and dance at a club. We're not thinking about God. And it's a little unfortunate um, in terms of like, because the song's not bad. It's just lyrically speaking. If you get to that second verse, you're like, oh, that's what this song's about. Okay, I mean, it just doesn't do anything for them, I mean, for a lot of people. And the song is not that different from what was out at the time, like you said. I think it would have been a cool gospel track. Um, they could have gone for like a Mary Mary type of thing where like two sisters singing, like there's so many sister groups that excel in, in gospel and they mm. would have killed it. Like Out here, we had Kirk Franklin switching up gospel, making it more hip hop, making it more like fun and like really energetic in the sense of like contemporary music. They could have done something like that for sure. But lyrically and conceptually, the song was not going to survive in the soundscape, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, girls. Yeah. And unfortunately, the group didn't have many opportunities to promote the project, and both the single and album had underwhelming success, despite the critical acclaim, with the album hitting only number 87 in the UK album's chart. With the muted response from the public, EMI dropped Eternal after releasing a Spanish version of Free to Live in Spain. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, from my understanding, they also this might have also been the fulfillment of the record contract as well. Like maybe it was mm. like the number. So it's possible that the label already kind of stopped believing in them at this point. And it was like, just release an album as a duo and let's just get this contract over with. And like they didn't even put um, any marketing money into it. I could see that. Um, um, but, you know, I will say the album actually isn't bad as a project no. at all. Um, I will say there are better songs than the single. So that's an interesting choice. But yeah, I think, like I said, they they did update the production to match kind of this late 90s vibe. But yeah. they kept, like you said, they kept a lot of these same kind of more kind of spiritual influences in the lyrics. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's there was still that eternal kind of essence in there. Um, so yeah. it is unfortunate that this album didn't get very much attention. Um, but I would like to know from the fans, like just from this time, like what was the situation and how did people look at it when Kelly left? Like, were they all on Kelly's side? Mm. So the support for the sisters was already not there. Well, I don't know. I'm just curious kind of what the situation was, because like we said, right. the pop music scene was also just very saturated and so they may have just gotten lost in the shuffle as well. Right, right. But you're right. I think those do- that, that does play a part for sure. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, you know, this album was actually full of a lot of sensual songs and even has one called Pillow Talk. Mm. I mean, thinking about where they started at this point, they probably were like, what, like their late 20s? It's only been like, what, eight years? Eight years is a long time to be running yeah. in, in music, you yeah. know? So if they started around like early 20s, yeah, late mm-hmm. 20s, maybe early 30s. So, I mean, it, it makes sense in terms of just growing up and like, you know, falling in love and such. 
Um, but again, it's just so interesting to see what kind of direction they took. And even so, this being a single, being it their like pop gospel kind of thing, um, was interesting. Like you said, doesn't stand out in terms of like songs. Um, but it does does still sound like eternal. I mean, they didn't sacrifice the song, the sound, excuse me, even though they lost members. Like songs like Your Love Makes Me Weak is a nice one, nice one, and it really shows like again, they were sitting there, just the two of them layer after mm. layer after stack after stack of harmony and i appreciate that um and yeah I, speaking of um their their um their free to live song they actually have a spanish version uh right. called libre para vivir oh yeah honey they sound good in spanish i would have mm. loved to hear stay any of them songs that they had on that album in spanish spanish just makes things extra spicy ain't gonna lie to you, a little picante um, but yeah, they sounded really good and their enunciation was really good. So I'm like really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, after a few years of pursuing other endeavors in their personal and professional lives with Esther recording a few tracks and writing for other artists and Vernie pursuing a law degree, it was announced that Eternal would reunite in 2006 for a tour with other R&B artists, including Boys to Men and In Vogue. However, nostalgia wasn't there at the time and the tour was canceled due to poor ticket sales. Bernie was actually pregnant at that time, too, so only Esther and Kelly would have appeared. Ooh, goodness. Mm. There isn't too much information about this time, but clearly they felt that they were on good enough terms to at least perform together again. Or the paycheck was high enough. <laughs> Not you say that. <laughs> but yeah, so it finally, in 2013, the three members of Eternal, without Louise, of course, who was actually now known as Louise Redknapp, uh, were announced to appear in Series 2 of ITV's The Big Reunion. And the group got to tell their story and clear the air about all the drama they had experienced during their career. This culminated in a few songs performed at the series finale, which was filmed at the Hammersmith Apollo in London. They finally got to perform again and actually clear the air. We did watch The Big Reunion together so we could experience uh -huh. these conversations. Um, so what did you think of The Big Reunion and the performances? Boy, there's two sides to every story. No matter how flat you make a pancake. You know, my mama always says that. And it's true. You never know. Because, because... It's interesting hearing how one side was like, well, she didn't really want to be in a group. I did. You know, like, mm -hmm. it's, and it's like, I mean, by the time they did speak to each other, everything seems to be re remedied. Um, so I, I do appreciate that there wasn't any kind of like, well, we're going to appear in, in two separate tour trucks and two vans. Because like, even with New Edition, when they got back together, that, that was a crap show too. And I was so disappointed in them. Like now they're good, which I appreciate because I think they're too old to fight each other. But boy, that first reunion back in the early 2000s, you could what? They were rough together, okay? Um, but yeah, I think it was really sweet that they got back together to actually do this. And they sounded, well, they sounded really good. Esther was giving it. I will say, yeah, it's great to see the three of them genuinely enjoy performing with each other. I think just mm -hmm. watching all the performances, like they, the smiles were so genuine. Like when they would look yeah. out at the audience and, and yeah, they just seemed to genuinely be enjoying it, which is good. Um, yeah. And yeah, of course, the dancing is toned down a little bit because, like we mentioned, it was very athletic back then. But, you know, there's still some jumps in there and Esther's still doing it with all those yeah. ad libs, too. So props to her. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, I think the few times we did get full kind of live vocals from them because there was a lot of backing track use mm -hmm. in the in this. And, and they did that, you know, throughout the career as well, which it makes sense. But um, the blend was there. Like, it was really, really good. Um, right. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, I like that they managed to get BB to come out for I Want to Be the Only One again as well. 
Oh yeah, BB, BB, one thing BB's gonna do is gonna come saying now is <laughs> BB and CC their siblings. Actually, they can sing their little faces off. They're good. Following the big reunion, the members of Eternal have continued their friendship. And as recently as March 2022, Kelly has mentioned that there are always talks about a reunion and that she would be open to it. So the story of Eternal may not be over just yet. But for now, we are caught up to the present day, which for us is the beginning of 2023. And now let's give you all some of our discography highlights. Yes, but before we give our own recommendations, we have to give another shout out to Kevin, our CCTV Patreon producer, who is a huge Eternal fan, and he wanted to highlight the song Treat Me Like a Lady from the fourth album, Eternal. So he felt that the sisters were really underrated as a duo and that this album deserved to have more success. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I heard that song too. I like that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the thing. I like these two songs for two different reasons. Um, So I'm going to pick my final one, but I want to let you guys know that I like this Love Is For Real uh, from the Always And Forever album and also If You Need Me Tonight. I think I'm going to pick If You Need Me Tonight. It does feature that rap, and it's just so much fun. Her go ting ting a ling. I'm like, why? I love that. Like back in the day, rapping and like love songs, and the girl group, it was just all there. You can hear it now in K-pop, so I appreciate that. And it just reminded me of Left Eye and TLC, but not too much. Where I'm like, she sound like a little mouse, like like Left Eye did. I like that song. It's just really cool, and it balances that whole like, if you need me, I'll be there for you. But also like, I don't play me for a fool now. Like I. Like, I'm here for you, but, like, if you're going to be playing games, I can be gone just as quickly. So I appreciate that. <laughs> nice. What about you? Yes, I will choose Faith and Love from the Power of a Woman album. Look at us choosing stuff from all the different albums. So this is the final track on that album. And I just think it's cool because it gives just something different to the others, to the singles and stuff. It's a mid-tempo bop and the lyrics are still kind of cheesy and hopeful. But then the (laughs) melody and production is kind of sensual. So it just kind of has a cool dynamic to the whole thing. And just it just really stood out to me every time it came up when I was kind of shuffling through their discography. Mm -hmm, Nice. That being said, it would appear that uh, class is dismissed. So what do you think of Eternal? Also, let us know which artists you'd like to hear us do a Pop 101 class about. You can comment below or message us at CCTV Pops on social media. You can also join us on Patreon and help us decide what to cover in future episodes. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications for our YouTube channel. And if you're enjoying the show, please give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, that's Shan. That's Chris. Signing off from CCTV, the nonstop pop show.